right? And in that, you have the scripture for tonight, some notes, the music that we just sang, and some announcements that I had earlier. So, but this is going to be our theme. We don't have a screen over here, so let's be over here. So, we uh, this is our theme for the semester, and uh, we're going to be in our life groups. We're answering twelve questions that have been tough for Christianity throughout history, but really they're not that tough when we really start to look at them. Okay, so. Tonight, we're going to just grab one of those questions. So each, each night of worship, we're just going to grab one of the 12, so the four. So we're going to do, this week, we're going to, we're going to tonight, we're going to do, does God exist? The next time, Jana, where are you at, Jana? Jana and Haley are, are some of my strongest science people in the room. Uh, they're going to help me kind of craft, and I'm at, we're going to pull from all of our science people. But the question that week is going to be, do science and scripture agree? So we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to be talking about things that I have no idea what they're talking about, but they will know. They're my translators. So anyway, uh, so we're super excited about that next, next time we meet uh, on October 5th. So I just want to introduce myself real quick. My name is Andrew Hodges, and I'm the campus minister with Impact Christian Fellowship here. And uh, this is my family, so just know who I am. You can go to the next slide, Megan, if you, if you can. And uh, so there, there they are. I married way up, and so I'm not ashamed to say that. Uh, but this is my wife, Samantha, and our, our son, Graham, who just broke, it, he broke his leg on Friday, which is so, his tibia. So he's, he's in a cast from his thigh to his foot. Uh, and then that's our daughter, Tinley. She's four. She just had her first day of pre-K today, so she is awesome. So that's a little bit about who I am. So I just want to start off by saying that when we go through these questions, and different things that we do together. Um, sometimes it can be like, is God ever intimidated by a question that we may ask? Would you ever be able to ask a question that God would be like, don't, no, no, Alex, do not ask that question. Shelby, that question is off limits. Every other question is fine, but that, that doesn't exist with God because he, he's open to every single question, every single doubt, every single concern that you have. God is ready and willing to absorb that and to answer you and give you a logical reason for why something is true. See, I was kind of raised with this mentality that, hey, Andrew, that's the truth, and okay, so it doesn't make sense to you, so just go ahead and believe it, you know? And that is just not going to work uh, on a university campus, is it? It's just not going to be enough. So that's kind of what we're doing. We're talking about uh, what it means to really seek God and to have that doubt along with that. And the night before Samantha and I were married, we, uh, I did what any guy does before he gets married. I did something stupid, right? You're supposed to do that. So basically we rented out this gym, and I spent the whole night playing basketball with some of my closest friends. I invited, I'm from Oklahoma originally, so we're, in, we're in, over in Rushville, Indiana, at this church camp in the middle of nowhere. We're playing basketball. We're pushing and shoving each other. It's getting pretty dirty. And then all of a sudden... You know, my cousin Jacob, who's like my brother, he comes up underneath me, and I come down on his foot and nearly broke my ankle. Like, immediately it started swelling to the point where my shoe wouldn't go on. Now, you guys know what I'm getting at. The next, next day I am getting married, okay? And I've got wa- to, like, you know, watch the girl of my dreams walk down the aisle, and her mom is not, she's not want to mess with her mom. So, anyway, I... I, was, I, I sprained it, it swelled up big, and then from that point forward, my time was miserable, but awesome at the same time. 
like, I can't even stand up. I'm like this, you know. And then Samantha gets to the, the front of the church, and she's like, hey, you still want to get married, don't you? And I'm like, uh, you know. <laughs> and so we're trying to dance at the reception. It's super awkward because I got, like, this club foot that's swelling. I can feel just the, you know, the blood and just it just... It was just rushing down to my foot, and it was just getting bigger and bigger. And pretty soon, my dress shoe was not fitting very well. It was cutting, cutting off circulation. And then we have this romantic honeymoon planned to go to Cancun. And it was just so romantic with me walking through the airport going like this. Because I'm not going to use crutches on my honeymoon. Man up, right? So I want you to get that picture of me with my sprained ankle and how I sprained it. And from that point forward... I was affected, everything I did was affected by that one thing. So what we're talking about tonight is the same kind of concept that what we're saying, it does God exist. I love this quote. It says, more consequences for thought and action follow the affirmation or denial of God than from answering any other basic question. That is just a mindful, but it's just so true. Basically, Every, everything in our lives is a filter that runs through this. So I want to ask this question. You don't, it's rhetorical, of course. It would take us forever. Uh, this building closes at 9.30. But, you know, where are you coming from tonight? Are you someone that has been raised in the church your entire life and that's just been your experience? And you were just told that God exists and therefore, since Grandma said it's true, it's got to be true. And that might be true. Your, your Grandma may be awesome. But what if your Grandma was an atheist? Right? So maybe that's your background. Maybe you don't come from a, a background of faith, and that's not been your experience. Um, so we're coming from all different angles tonight. And so, but I think both ends, whether you grew up in the church or, or not, uh, sometimes if you don't grow in the, up in the church, sometimes that, that can actually just discount each other because you can maybe pick up some toxic stuff that's not true. And so what we're talking about tonight is does God exist? And so if you're an atheist, you may wonder, is God really a myth? And if you are a believer of, of any kind, you may think, is all of this just a hoax? And we're singing all these songs and doing all these things and all these churches and the Bible. Is this really all true? Or is it all just made up? And so that is an excellent question. And I think we can bring all those things. And I think what happens is we bring faith and doubt and sometimes we're told that those can't operate in the same space. But I think if we do it right, faith and doubt, when they collide, they cause our faith to get stronger, not weaker. Okay? So that's kind of what we're going to do tonight. We're going to hopefully make our faith um, stronger. So we're going to hang out in a passage, Genesis chapter 28, kind of an unlikely passage to, to go over the existence of God. But I couldn't really think of a better passage, really, thinking of a narrative to talk about, does God exist? Good. Does God exist? So if you have your uh, Bible or your phone or whatever it is, uh, scroll, or maybe you have a great memory and got it memorized, uh, you can go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 28, and we're going to do verse 10. And I just want to read through this. We're going to talk just a few points, and then uh, we'll kind of try to unpack some of the, the things about believing in God. So meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba. This is verse 10 of Genesis chapter 28. Jacob left Beersheba and toward Haran, and at sundown he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone, like most of us do in a college dorm, to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. <laughs> right? That's what you do. You grab like a really hard surface and just smash your head into it when you're 
your Calc 3 class pushes you to the limit, right? And then he, he slept and he dreamed of a, of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven and he saw angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth, and they will spread out in all directions to the west and the east and the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep, like most of us would say, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. Isn't that a funny thing for him to say? I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone that he had rested his head against, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar, and then he poured olive oil over it, and he named that place Bethel, which means house of God, and although it was previously called Luz. Verse 20, this is so good. Then Jacob made this vow, if God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if I will return safely to my father's house, the Lord will certainly be my God. Last verse. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place of worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything that he gives me. Okay, so just a few things from the passage, and then we'll, we'll try to answer this question if God really does exist or not. Uh, first thing that I was thinking is that he saw these angels, and he saw the Lord at the top of the stairway. And I think there are some things in life that you can't unsee, and we know that in living in student life or wherever we're living, living with people who are not modest, you know, it's like, okay, I can't unsee that. But that's the same thing goes true with God. Like you, once you experience God, those of you, how many of you have been on a mission trip before in your life, okay? So when you go on a mission trip or if you live on the mission field, Annie, or whatever you, this is her mission field. So, uh, but, you know, whatever the case is, you can't unsee what you experience. You can't just forget about those kids that you met. You can't forget about that church that you sat in, um, you can't unsee it. And this would forever change Jacob's life. Up until this point, he was kind of a, I don't know how to say this nicely, but he was not a good guy. He's kind of a turd. I don't know how else to say that. But his name, Jacob, means deceiver. So he actually cheated his brother uh, twice, actually, the birthright and the blessing. And this guy is kind of a, I mean, he's not, I mean, Isaac was like this cool guy. To me, it seemed like Abraham believed God and was created in righteousness, and then the grandson is like, kind of missed it, okay? And so this guy, this is like an experience. God, in spite of his behavior, says, I am going to meet you right here, right where you are, laying on that rock. And it's so funny because right then he goes into speaking about his family. Did you notice that? This wasn't just about Jacob. It was about Abraham and all who would follow you know, your family, whether you like it or not, maybe you haven't realized this. I did this when I went and saw a counselor right before my daughter was born because I thought I was going to lose my mind. And I just wasn't ready. And I was like, please fix me. I'm broken. And one of the things he told me, he's like, well, the reason you're like that is because of, you know, the way 
how does your dad or how does your mom react in that situation? He talked about family of origin. I was like, oh, no. You know? And so I think a lot of who you are is based on how you were raised in your family. So what you've got to decide when it comes to does God exist is what they taught me true or not. And that's kind of what you do in college, right? When you get to college, maybe at the end of high school, you were thinking, is all this true? Have I just been tricked? I mean, whatever faith-based that was, whether it was Christianity or something else, is all this true or am I just told this because they've been passing it down for generations? What a great question to ask. But he spoke to his family. And so your life, whether you like it or not, you would say, I'm a, I'm a no impact, I'm a neutral human being. There are no neutral human beings. Everybody impacts somebody else's life negatively or positively. That's just how it works. If you choose to go neutral, you've just chosen a poor path, right? Okay, so the next thing from the passage is he says this thing. He says, I wasn't even aware that God was in this place. Jacob's name, it, just mean, it means deceiver, like I said earlier. He wasn't looking for God but God was looking for him, right? Tonight, you may not be looking for God, but God is looking for you. You may be trying to avoid God. This is kind of the wrong place to come for that. Um, but whether you've been running from God or trying to avoid God or the church or your faith, you may not be looking for God, but he is looking for you. The Bible says that his eyes roam the earth, looking for those whose hearts will be completely his. You know, Revelation 3.20 says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks on our hearts. He's waiting for us to open up and let him in. And not only that, he'll come in and eat tacos with you. It says that he will come in and he will, he will dine with you. I love that language. It's not just come in and let me tell you what to do. Hey, let's come in and let's dine together. Let's, let's hang out together. Let's live life together. So God is looking for you. And so I hope you feel that tonight. And at the end of the passage, it's kind of a weird thing. He's like, he sees like this vision. He sees angels. He sees like some vision of God. And then he goes, wait, if you don't do this, then I'm not going to do this. Isn't that funny? What a bold statement for him to say, if you will, then I will. But if you won't, I'm not going to commit to follow you. You think that's a legitimate thing to say to God? God, either you're going to love me unconditionally or I'm not one of your children. Either you're going to sustain me through the semester of craziness, or I'm not one of your kids. And here's the thing, man. God wants you to say stuff like that because I think he says, game on. If you're going to come to me, I will give you everything that you need to get through the semester. Let me say that again. If you will come to me, I will give you everything that you need for the semester. I will give you all the time that you need, all the energy you need, all the intellectual stability you need. You know, All the things that you need throughout a semester, God will give you. And Jacob had this encounter with God, and now it was time for his faith to take, take the faith for a test drive. And that's what I'm going to encourage you to do later, to take it for a test drive. If you're not a person of faith, I just encourage you to, to just try. We're, we're, going to, we're going to get to that in a second. So a few things about the existence of God uh, in relation to this story, but also just from the book that we're studying, Know Why You Believe by Paul Little. I've read it many times, and I tell you it's a book that I keep close by me all the time, and some of the things I've memorized in the book, I don't even know that I've memorized it, but they just come out, like your faith is only as strong as the object in which it is placed, I say that all the time to myself, or to other people, this is so good, and so the content is so good, so I'm going to go through the objective things about the world we live in, and then we're going to get into the subjective, okay, 
objective would mean objective truth is, well, we'll get to it. Okay, so first thing is cause and effect. Uh, you know, we all know that we don't get into class here very much, but, you know, you guys know cause and effect. You know, in order for something to happen, something has to make it happen. Okay, so how do you put God into the cause and effect? How does that fit? Because what do we believe about God? He, by definition, is uncaused. Okay, so that's very difficult to put. God is eternal. He's going forever both ways. Wrap your mind around that for a second. He is uncaused. He is the one that causes effect. Okay, second, infinite time plus chance. You know, there's the whole thing. Did all of this come... That we're, when you go outside and you see a tree, or you see the sky, or you see another human being that is attractive to you, or whatever the case is, when you go outside and you see whatever you see, do you say, all of this happened on accident, or, or chance, or did this all happen by design? Did someone set this up? Did someone, did someone design all of this? So the whole thing is like, he says in the chapter, if someone was blindfolded and you gave them a Rubik's Cube, let's say we do a Sam peek. She's really smart, too. So we say, Sam, here's a blindfold. Put it over your eyes. Don't peek. You know? so, so we give her the Rubik's Cube. That was a pun on her name. Uh, so give her the Rubik's Cube. We say, okay, try to solve the Rubik's Cube with your blindfold on. And you know how difficult that would be. And this guy's kind of figured this out that it would take, on average, about 1.35 trillion years for her to solve that Rubik's Cube. Okay. And life is even more complex than that. Many of you study biology, you know that. Uh, everything in this world is so complex that so we say, this did not happen on accident. You are not here on accident. You're not alive on accident. Next thing, order and design in the universe. There are 11 million species of life on planet Earth. Think about that for a second. Think about how... I mean, it's just so overwhelming to think about, but God designed everything that we have. The next, the universe had a beginning. We don't need to go into the whole thing that happened in 1965 with radiation from the earth, but we do know that the universe had a beginning. You know, that's, that's science tonight. So we just need to know exactly what caused the beginning, okay? Next thing, what what was before the Big Bang? You know, what, what happened before everything started? What was going on? These are the questions I would ask my mom when I was in seventh grade. It was great. And she would look at me like, huh? Never thought about that. Sixth thing, moral argument. This is the book, uh, Mere Christianity, which we're considering for our, our theme next semester. The whole book is about why are people, why do people say this is good and this is bad? Why is that? Who tells them that? Who put that inside of people? How do we know that murder is wrong, for instance? There must have been someone that put that inside of you, right? And the last thing is the changed lives. And we could go on and on about this. Um, but So here's the subjective stuff. We just did it, okay? So now, when I was your age, worship just absolutely changed my life, okay? And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying like some kind of ethereal thing. I'm saying that sometimes when your mind will only get you so far and then you have to just worship the Lord and do what you were created to do. And times in my life where I was broken and nothing made sense in worship, God makes me make sense in worship. Isn't that true for you? 
Maybe you're not in a worship service. Maybe you're in your car, and you don't have any music going, but you're singing, and you shouldn't be singing because you're not good at it. But, you know, God enjoys that, even though other people might not enjoy it. But you're singing to the Lord because you need Him to make you into who He created you to be. And that's what worship does. Next thing is that prayer and Bible study, you know, the experience of praying to God. You know, I believe with all my heart, and we've talked, some of you have walked with me through this last year, that my, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, you know, 17% survival rate for ovarian cancer, and she is alive today. Now, how is that possible? She was diagnosed last June. It's prayer, right? That's my subjective experience. You see what I'm talking about? It, it's just, it's what happened. Uh, last semester, we were praying for John's migraines. God healed him of those migraines. Uh, think about uh, an elder in my, my home church that I attend. He's uh, 80, just turned 80 years old. He had a, in 1976, he was at Methodist just down the street, and he had a tumor wrapped around his lungs and his heart. That we, they prayed for him, uh, did the things he was supposed to do, came back, next appointment, it's gone, and it never came back. And the doctor said, I'll be, you know. <laughs> now, isn't that interesting? How did that happen? And the third thing is divine appointments. So here's an example of a divine appointment. And this kid hasn't figured it out yet. He's from my, our church, and he's at Purdue. And we went to church camp together a lot. And so, you know, a small church camp, like maybe 90 kids come to a high school week at camp. He's at Purdue, you know, thousands of students. And who does he keep running into? People from camp. What are the statistical odds of that? And he says he does it all the time. You know, the old last week, uh, last month, two months ago, it's like once a month, he's at a frat party on Purdue's <laughs> campus, and he sees someone from church camp. I said, what do you think God's trying to tell you? He's after us. You know, God is looking for us. You know what? I, I hope you're getting what I'm trying to say. Here's another example. We, my, my wife and I just decided that I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to come and do ministry here full time. And so, I'm a minister at a church in Pendleton. That makes no sense whatsoever, other than it's awesome. But uh, here's how God confirmed that in my life. June 19th, I wake up at uh, 5 o'clock every Sunday morning, because I like to get up early. And I'm, I'm 6 o'clock leaving my house to go to the church to start working. I say, God, I'm scared. I need you to give me a sign. Okay. I want a Gideon sign or some kind of wild sign like Jacob seeing a stairway or something. And so I need you to know for sure this is what you want me to do with my, my, my life and my family. And so I wake up. I go throughout my whole day. I busted at church till like 1 p.m. And then I go. We get the kids down for a nap, get lunch, go to life group. I have our college ministry meets that night at 8 o'clock at night. I get home at 10 p.m. I have completely forgotten about my prayer. You guys done that before? Prayed about something, forgot about it, and then God answered it. And you're like, I'm a horrible person. Okay? So I, I come back. Um, I get a text message from someone that I hadn't heard from since March. He texts me and he says, Andrew, I was reading this passage in my Bible, and I thought of you, so I thought I should text you. He texted me 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. You're like, what's the deal with that? He says, I've been, I just texted, I, I feel like God's laid this on my heart. I was also talking to one of our former board members. 
I used, he's the guy I worked under in campus ministry, my first job right out of college. He says, we were just talking about how, what a great job you did here. And I was thinking about this passage. I was like, see what God does here. That's the same exact passage for a year, over a year. A year and a half I've been praying for my, my son that's one year old. Exact same verses I could show you on my phone. It's a, I have it on my reminders to pop up at like 8 o'clock every morning that he would, be, he would be strong, he would be courageous, he would do everything in love, he would be on guard. You know, I prayed those things for my son every day. And here he's texting me out of nowhere from Missouri. Okay? That's a divine appointment. See, that's my experience. You see how the subjective collides with the objective. Okay? So, even though something is like, that's science, and that's just true about how everything works, and this is my experience, and then they collide, and you know it's absolutely true. God gives you confirmation. I hope you've experienced that in your life. If not, you will. So just a few things to plug in before we're going to sing one more song together, and then we're going to close up our time. The first thing is just open up your eyes. God is always speaking and moving. Open up your eyes and look. Pay attention. In the midst of the craziness, in the midst of your classes, in the midst of your roommates, or whatever you're dealing with, Try to focus. Just try to focus. on. Open up your eyes. Second, don't let your family taint your faith in Jesus. Whether they don't have any faith or they had a really weird faith, whatever that is, don't let that affect your faith negatively. Now, if they are awesome and your parents' faith is great, awesome. But I bet a majority of you at some point have been given like the wrong kind of how that works. You know what I mean? So don't let that taint your faith. You have to, you get to decide. And the third thing is that Jesus loves you. He's after you. You matter as much as Jacob mattered to God. Hear that again. You know, Nathan, you know, some of you guys in the room, Lauren, all of you guys matter to God. And the last thing is just give, give this a chance. You know, what have you got to lose? Really? What have you got to lose? You have everything to gain. Flip that around and don't believe in God. And see what you have to lose. Right? I love, I love two things here. Hebrews 11.6. Some of you are going to be studying this in your life group uh, this week. Uh, but anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he, God exists and that he rewards those who seek him earnestly. Brooke Fraser, one of my favorite songwriters, she says, To believe is to begin. To believe is to begin. So, what I want you to do this semester when doubts come in your mind and you're flooded with fear and you don't really know what to do, I want you to think about two things. First, Jesus' bodily resurrection. That's your objective fact. Okay? Just keep it at one right now. They have never found the body. Jesus rose from the dead. Two, think about what Jesus has done in your life. Think back over your life and think about what God has done in your life. And so as I close tonight, I just want to be, I just want to fast forward to uh, Genesis chapter 33. So Jacob, uh, Jacob makes like this bold move. He says, God, if you will, then I will. If you will, then I will. And so a lot of times we do that with God. We're like, God, if you will just give me a sign. Like, let's, let's say God gave me that sign I had on June 19th. And I said, well, that was probably just a coincidence. I think I'll just not go to IUPUI full time. Right? Or I could say, God, I obey you. But here's what happened with Jacob. God, 
answered every single one of his prayers that he prayed for protection and bringing them safely. And at the end of it, you know what Jacob does? So cool. He said, and God changed his name, by the way, from deceiver to Israel. And this is what he said. He says, El Elohe Israel, which means God, the God of Jacob. So what I want you to do tonight, I want you to put your name in there. Think about your name. El Elohe En, or whatever your name is tonight. That God is my God because of what he has done and he will do in my life. And Connor was alluding to it earlier. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Connor was alluding to this earlier, but he said, you know, but sometimes, sometimes we believe something and so we sing about it. And then other times, we sing in order to believe. Maybe you know all the, the facts, all the objectiveness, and you're just not feeling that experience and what God's love is. Sometimes you, you just got to try and taste and see that the Lord is good. So that's what I want us to do at this time of worship. Let's stand back up together. And then at the end of it, Haley's going to close us in prayer, uh, and we'll be done tonight.